You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to another new episode of the Stepover Podcast, the podcast that asks important Sixers questions like, is Sam Hinky daddy now? I am Jim Adair, with me as always is Max Rappaport. Didn't tell Max I was going to say that. Max, how you doing? Uh, good. Jim, I'll, I'll let you handle handle that question. It, is Sam Hinky daddy now? He's certainly more daddy than before. Let's not pretend. Uh, he went from like lowly mid-level accountant to Lex Luthor's hotter twin brother. So, who knows, man? I'm getting back at you for saying bad boys so many times in the last podcast. That's what this is. Um, so, yeah, we are uh, here to talk to you about uh, a couple of different things. Uh, we're coming up on the trade deadline, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but in between the last time we talked to you and now, uh, Max, congratulations. We both got one of our over-unders correct. Oh, God. Well, well, what did we get correct? It was number of Sixers All-Stars. I said it at one and a half, and we both went over. Wow. Nice, and that was before yeah. they had Jimmy Butler. So that was uh, we were going out on more of a limb when we said over one and a half. And so essentially, what we did was we called not only the number correct, but who they were. So yeah, Simmons and Embiid are both all stars. Embiid was voted in as a starter. Simmons was added as a reserve. Uh, both very well deserved. Uh, I think last year there was a feeling that um, Ben Simmons deserved it and didn't get it. Uh, and that Embiid did get it, but like everyone was like pretty much. I feel like people were kind of nervous about that he wouldn't get it last year a little bit, um, mm. just because of the you know the the storyline around him or, or whatever. Uh, but he he earned it by far and away. Even though he, I strongly doubt he will win, but he is in the MVP conversation. Um, and Simmons, I feel like he almost got it last year. This year, he hasn't, like, he's been very, very, very good. And especially of late, he's had a couple of games where he just kind of took over and, and went into to, to crazy mode. But um, I think it was a little bit of, he just missed it last year. Let's push a little bit for, harder for him this year. And he's still doing incredibly well. So I think they've both earned it. Um, I'm not at all surprised that uh, Redick, we talked about for a little bit, didn't get it. And I think that Butler, it was tweeted by, I think, Woj after... Uh, the reserves were announced that Oladipo was in there, who obviously will not be playing in the All-Star game. Um, and they said that D'Angelo Russell and Jimmy Butler were both, like, the two guys in the running for to fill that reserve spot. And it went to D'Angelo Russell, and I think it's much deserved for him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I have no problems with that at all. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, um, I was thinking about this the other day, much like uh, Buddy Heald in the same way. Someone I really liked coming into the league, and I'm very happy for them that they're finally kind of putting things together and doing really well for themselves. Now, yeah, I really, I, I, I really thought D'Angelo Russell was uh, was going to be that guy. Yeah, I, I was I was so excited about him. I, I was saying that like Buddy Heald kind of came out of nowhere, um, like came out of nowhere, and also I feel like has been kind of an under under uh, reported storyline this year that he's mm-hmm. just like straight up a he's like better than than what people thought he was going to be coming in out of yeah right yeah yeah he's also a year older now he's magically aged <laughs> in a year in between there. Because uh, his reported age was wrong, uh, but yeah, I, I liked him coming in the pros, and I was kind of unsure about what his potential was. But he's doing really, really well. And you saw that last night. Uh, we recorded this, recording this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you saw that last night against the Sixers uh, with a, a hard-fought loss. Well, hard-fought for a quarter, and then three quarters of bad basketball for the Sixers. But you know, every once in a while, you lose games. It happens, and they just got outplayed last night. It was uh, just one of those things. But I wanted to talk a little bit about that because that is um, that was the eighth game, I believe, if I'm counting the correct games correctly. That was the eighth game of the dreaded 12-game stretch, mm-hmm. uh, and they are 5-3 and three in that stretch. 
Now, you would hope they would have won that game last night. They didn't. So that's a loss. That's a solid, straight-up, capital L loss. Uh, And wins and losses are counted in the column no matter what happens in the game. No matter why the team won or lost, they're counted the same. However, uh, the other two losses, uh, one was a game where basically nobody played against Denver. So that was just kind of a, a throwaway, almost a forfeited game. And the other one was was a, a a buzzer beater by Paul George on a dumb 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 foul by Jimmy Butler, and that was another loss. So they're five and three on that stretch, but they're very close to being seven and one. And I think you know earlier in the year, before when we first noticed this stretch of the games, and before Butler was here, obviously when they saw Dario and Covington, people were talking about what they expected from the stretch, and I I think I was like half joking. I said to be happy with four wins. And then as they got Butler, I'm like, I'd be happy with six wins. But they're already pretty much right there. They're five and three in this stretch. They looked really good. Butler's looked good. And Bede's looked incredible when he's played. Simmons has looked out of this world. Like he's just taking on a new, taking another level up. Um, so I just want to know what your thoughts were on these past eight or even nine games. You push it back one more before that. That's when they beat uh, the Timberwolves by like 102. So uh, how do you feel- think the team's been doing the last nine games or so? Yeah, I feel like I feel like they've kind of gotten back to where they were um, briefly after the the Butler trade. I feel like they hit this this stride. And I remember us talking about it that they just looked finally like a team that had like put it all together, um, and that was for a pretty brief amount of time. And then it was really up and down for a while. And now they finally feel like they've gotten that back where you just look at them and they're they're one of the best teams in the league, and it, and it feels like that as opposed to them being that up and coming team that. Uh, you know, could be there at the end of the year. It's like now you watch this team and you're like, wow, they are, you know, just as much in it as, you know, arguably as, as in it as the Bucks and Raptors are to make it to the finals. And like at least as in it as the, the Celtics are at this point. Uh, so I, I feel like, like too, it, it's uh, I, it probably the thing that's been most promising is that Embiid, Simmons, Butler just look so much better together. Specifically, Simmons and Embiid. Um, I, I feel like that all that that narrative earlier in the year, which I think had some merit to it about just their fit and frustration with each other and not not maximizing each other's talents, that's kind of melted away. And I feel like you're you're seeing them really play to their strengths. And I feel like um, Simmons is I mean, part of it's just that Ben Simmons has been unbelievable, and he's been. Uh, approaching the level of where Embiid is. So I think I think it just makes it easier when you have two guys who are playing out of their minds like that. It, it's going to work. Yeah, there were questions for what is now essentially in the entirety of Ben Simmons' career, year and a half of it, where the question was, okay, we know he's good. We know he can be transcendentally good, right? But how can he and Embiid mix when neither of them are jump shooters? And how well can they play together? And how you know can it work and this and that? And you've always seen flashes of yes and always seen flashes of no, like games where it's just like it just is nothing. They're hitting a wall or whatever's happening. And like you said, it is more about Simmons and Embiid now, but I think by adding Butler in, Butler who has not been uh, 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 taking over possessions the way you would think, like his usage rate, I looked it up earlier, his usage rate right now um, would tie for the fourth highest in his career. And he's, you know, so like basically right in the middle of the line. Uh, it's at 23. Uh, and it's the same same usage rate as Jaron Jackson and Ricky Rubio. So he's not dominating the ball. Uh, but I think just having a player like that who's willing to dri- take the, the ball off the dribble, uh, take jump shots, go into isolations, lets the other two guys kind of roam around and kind of find their, their spots and do the things that they can't really do when it's just a two-man front, Right. So having that third guy, whether it be Butler, whether it be anybody else, if you want to trade Butler, which you can get talk about a little bit later, um, I think just having that third uh, offensive outlet option has helped both of them, even if it's not in a, a direct response to it. You know, it's like a uh, just a function of having someone else draw defenders because this team's depth is not great. Last night they had they rested JJ Redick uh, just for rest reasons, and Wilson Chandler hurt his hamstring or his quad. Uh, so you started Landry Shamet and 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 Mike Muscala, which is good for Landry Shamet and Mike Muscala, but their teams of this level usually don't have to start guys like that. Um, and what happens when you have things like that is you really need your big three to take over. And and Butler did that in the fourth quarter last night, but 
it goes to show you when you have that third guy that the Sixers have never had with Embiid and Simmons on the team, Embiid or Simmons, even before Simmons was here, of the guy who can just take the ball, takes break somebody down off the dribble and either pass or shoot. And just having that option there, I think, is opening both their games up so much. So it's just as it's 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 I'd say it's more them, but I think the 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 Butler uh, aspect of it is kind of being a little bit mm-hmm. underrated. Is having that option there for them to kind of open up because it draws defenders away, it opens up the lane a little bit, and it just does wonders for for their games specifically. Ben Simmons because Joel Embiid has been on another level this entire year, but Simmons since the Butler trade has it's. You know, he's look. He's playing with a different attitude, just going at the rim more, and he's just been playing out of his mind. Yeah, and I feel I feel like part of that is allowed Ben Simmons to just play differently. Like I think if you if you remember his rookie year and even like the beginning of this year, something they would do a lot was uh, he'd have the ball at the top of the key, a defender would be sagging off a decent amount. They try to like isolate a little bit, and he would just run straight at someone. And he's so fast that he, they would sometimes work, but a lot of times he'd get into a good position, go up with like you know. Uh, a finesse offhand shot and and miss a layup and it would go the other way. And I feel yeah. like right now what they're doing a lot more of with him is putting him in positions a lot of times with Butler where Butler is able to dump it down to him like 10 feet from the basket, back to the basket, and he's either like throwing a, a pass to a cutter at the rim or he's like making a move and finishing at the at, like with a post move. I feel like they're using Ben Simmons um, almost more like like the way that use like Pau Gasol, you know, like passing out of the high post and yeah. back to the basket and turning and making a move that way, as opposed to just like driving at the rim uh, the way they were before. And I feel like that there was a lot, like, I feel like that was where the majority of his turnovers came from last season. I feel like that's where a lot of those really frustrating misses inside. And now he's just been like so efficient finishing yep. um, and not turning the ball over as much as he was. I, I think it's a much better way to use Ben Simmons. And then, but still like taking the ball to the, to the rim in transition, which is like where he's really effective. Yeah, absolutely, because he does have that speed and that power where you can just, you know, there will be a time where he lowers his shoulder on a drive, knocks somebody into the stanchion, and gets called for the foul. But right now, he's not getting called for those fouls very often. Uh, mm-hmm. So he can just use his speed and power just to clear the way and then just basically have a, a two-foot hop to the rim. Um, but when that doesn't work or when someone defends you in a certain way, you need that third outlet player, which is Butler in the situation. And I know there's, I feel like there's been a lot of, you know, I don't want to say disappointed, people feeling disappointed, but people feeling underwhelmed by Jimmy Butler's presence on the team uh, since he came aboard. But I looked some things up. I don't, I'm not going to argue that you should like him if you don't, or you shouldn't like him if you do, but I just want to lay some numbers out there. Uh, since they acquired Jimmy Butler, when he plays, the Sixers are 21 and 10. Uh, he's shooting 48.1% from the floor which is currently sixth on the Sixers of players that are still here. Uh, it would be his career high if it was for a full season. 37.8% from three, which is fourth on the Sixers, would be a, tied for his second in career high. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's averaging the second highest amount of points on the team, uh, the third most uh, rebounds and assists, and he's first in steals, which would have been second for his career high as well. Uh, team's offensive rating with him on the floor, his personal offensive rating, uh, 121 would be the fourth best in his career, and the defense rating is 108. So, I feel like because he does have a tendency with being the third, essentially the third option on the floor, um, to fade into the background a little bit, right? I think he attempted like one field goal in the third quarter last night, and he has he can kind of fade away a little bit and then turn it on when he wants to. But I think that's being misunderstood as him underperforming when he's really not underperforming. He's had some off nights, which. People who shoot the ball will have a lot of off nights. It'll happen, and he always has had that in his career. But I think people who look at him and say he's underperforming or is not living up to expectations when he's essentially fitting as a third cog in this offense is just flat out wrong. Now, you can argue back and forth in a circle for weeks and weeks and weeks on whether they want to pay him what he wants to get paid in the offseason. But for right now, uh, there are a lot of people who just want to cut bait because they think he's underperforming or therefore he quote unquote stinks, which is incredibly wrong. I'll just put it that way. I think it's wrong. I think it's stupid and wrong. There's that. Fair enough. Yeah. What do you, what do you think of it? Do you think that, what do you think of his performance so far? And do you think that it's being received in the way it should be received by the fans? Um, I've been, I've been happy, uh, especially recently the way he's played. Um, and I think, 
like you said, all the reasons you said, I think it really, like, really frees things up for Embiid and Simmons. I think he fits in really well and, and isn't, you know, commanding the ball in a way that's that's uh, problematic for, for the two of them. Uh, I am still concerned about throwing a bunch of money at him in the summer. Um, that That's just been a concern of mine for, you know, even before they made the trade. Uh, but I think I'm feeling more comfortable with it the longer it goes on. And one, that's because he's played better and looked more like himself. And it's, you've kind of seen where he can fit in long-term with, with the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just been a better shooter, which is probably my biggest question mark other than injury and age uh, in terms of them giving him a, long, a long-term contract. But uh, I, I feel like it's it's worked better than I thought it would. And yeah. I can see how, uh, especially if, if Ben Simmons continues on this progression, it's like, if Embiid and Simmons are that good, having a guy who's like a lockdown defender, uh, creates turnovers, finishes in transition, does something that neither of them do, which is be able to isolate, like that's, I'm I'm uh, more willing to accept a, a, a non-ideal fit or a fit that's not absolutely perfect if, if he's just that third guy uh, right. to, to two guys who are that good. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um. We're going to keep it short today because we're going to have another podcast in a couple of days when the trade deadline and the buyout market happens. Um, so how about we just hop right into We asked people to send us some, uh, some trade ideas. I saw one, and then somebody tweeted at us saying, kill yourself. So that's wow. cool. Uh, yeah, so that was nice. Uh, fuck off. Um, so uh, let's take some be- questions. Be- before we move on to questions, one thing I did, I did want to say just because I pulled yep. up the stat while you were talking, and I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, so I, w- I was talking about the way they're using Ben Simmons this year versus last year. So uh, last year, Ben Simmons was fifth in the league in drives per game, uh, times driving at the rim at about 15 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, he is, uh, I'm looking, it's too far down for me to tell you exactly where he is, but he's on the second page. He's, he's probably uh, 30-something, uh, tied with Fred Van Fleet. Mm. So... Gives you an idea, I guess, of, of how different that that aspect, I feel like, of his game they've really cut down on, which has been uh, really helpful. Because, yeah, he, he basically was right where John Wall was last year yeah, in terms of driving through him. And I actually feel similarly about Ben Simmons and John Wall in that John Wall, while he's super effective, you know, doing that in transition, it's like when, and he's better at it than, than Ben Simmons in the half court too, but similarly, I think that's, you know, it, it's it's not as efficient as you'd think it would be for how good right. John Wall is. Similarly with Ben Simmons, it's just like not an efficient way to play. It's just someone who can't pull up for a jumper just running into three guys and trying to finish. Especially someone of Simmons' size who can use his strength and size and court vision in the low post to actually make mm-hmm. things happen for the team. All right, so before we move on the questions and take some stuff, how about we take a quick break here? Sounds good. All right, so we got couple of days before the trade deadline, uh, we asked some people to send in some trade thoughts uh, before we started recording. We'll let a few of those more come in. We just kind of threw that up at the last second. There's one kind of, you know, realistic one in there. Um, so let's take some other questions first. There's an interesting one because I was talking to somebody about this a little bit earlier today. Uh, not this exact question, but I brought somebody up. Uh, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew at BigHead underscore Ted asked, top three athlete nicknames of all time. He he his favorite he he adds that yeah. to the tweet. He said the mailman, the iceman, and Sauce Castillo. Um yeah. this is a tough question. Uh I actually think the mailman is one of my favorites. It's I just great, think it's yeah. like a really class it's it's kind of surprising that you got all the way to the eighties without anyone taking the mailman. I feel like yeah. all the all well, the I mean, good, there was sure, easy I'm sure there was... games are I'm sure there was somebody that was playing in the NBA in the 60s who was an actual mailman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so literally it didn't delivered really packages. White work as a nickname. Um, do you have Do you have three off the top of your head? I need to think about it for a uh, second. I have two good ones. I kind of went thematically because um, I was thinking about. I think I mean it's very simple and very easy, but I think Greek Freak is incredible. Uh, yeah. It rhymes. It fits him because he is both Greek and he is both a physical freak. Uh, it's great. It you know all the things you need. It's quick. It rhymes. It helps because his last name is hard for people to pronounce. It's descriptive. It's everything you want. So I was thinking about 
So you have Greek Freak. I think Big Baby is a good one, but it's also ridiculous. Uh, but I was thinking about what are some other nicknames that are like that says where someone's from, right? And I was mm-hmm. talking literally like an hour ago about Leandro Barbosa and the Brazilian Blur. That's a really good one. A hell of a nickname. Yeah. So I don't know if it'll be my top three all time, but just off the top of the head, Brazilian Blur is up there. Greek Freak's definitely, I think, top three. Uh, just Wilt the Stilt. It's very simple, very classic. Anything that rhymes is really good, typically. Um, if you want to go into like the deep, deep background of why nicknames came to be, I think the process is up there, especially with active players. Um, whatever Kevin Durant decides to call himself is always bottom of the list. Very, very bottom of the list. Yeah. First, because the Slim Reaper is an incredible nickname. He's like, no, I want to be called the Servant. It's like, no, no one's going to call you that, and you shouldn't want to be called that. It's a bad nickname. <laughs> why are you doing that to yourself? So that's definitely not on the list. But I would say Greek Freak is top three. Brazilian Blur is top ten. Mail that Man is a is really good there. one. Yeah, that's a good one, especially for a for a relatively uh, minor contributor. Yeah. Um, I do really like I mean, the just glove. Doctor J is a classic. Doctor J is really good. I I like the glove. Gary Payton. That's yeah, that's a good been one. A really nice one. Um, I'm just looking through a list now to see if I've forgotten any. Yeah, a lot of them are really shitty. Like, I'm just looking at some of these, like the big ticket for Kevin Garnett and Mr. Clutch for Jerry West. Like, those are kind of boring. Chocolate Thunder is a good one. That is a good one. The Drunken Dribbler. The Drunken Dribbler is really good. Yeah. Uh, The Polish Hammer, Marcin Gortat. That's a good one. Polish Hammer is good. Yeah. Uh, Again, location-based. Yeah, the the location based ones are good. It's kind of sad that Ben Simmons doesn't have a good location based one. I feel like I feel like there's a lot. Australia has a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of potential. Yeah, the a lot boxing, of good animals. The boxing kangaroo. Yeah, yeah, that's right there. Um, let's see what other questions we got. Uh, ASAP Beans asked, "Is Luca the bird, the Larry Bird to Ben Simmons's magic?" Also, a good nickname, Magic Johnson. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of time to figure out if that is the case. <laughs> I think, I think honestly, right now, like you're talking about prototype, like like Ben Simmons is the closest uh, prototype of a player to a Magic Johnson, but players evolve, right? So like Magic, like if someone came into this the NBA right now, and you're seeing this with, with Ben Simmons, who had the exact same skill set as Magic Johnson, say. People are going to talk about the flaws in their game, right? What they're missing. They're missing a jump shooting. They're missing this. Like, So I think the modern era, the closest thing to a Magic Johnson, who was just like so otherworldly, you know, brain-bendingly, you know, good, is probably Giannis, right? And then I think if you look at the other side of it, which is like take away Larry Bird's shooting, which was his number one skill, because he was also still a great passer and, and stuff like that, but... Take away that and look at Larry Bird as a person, kind of like a bland, dopey dude. I think the closest parallel to that is probably like a Nikola Jokic. So I think currently in the NBA, Mm. if you had to assign a Magic and Bird label to anybody, you would give Magic to Giannis and Bird to Jokic. But if if you're already assigning Ben Simmons as the Magic Johnson, then I would say, I don't know, I guess maybe Luka, but when you think of a Bird... If you're thinking skill set straight up and down, I'm thinking of more of like a pure shooter type who also has the other flashes, but who is just like dead eye knocked down, whoever that would be. And I just don't know who currently that is. Um, and again, Larry Bird's one of the all-time greats, but it's it, in this modern day of everybody being bigger and stronger and faster and more skilled, I don't know where Larry Bird would fit with just being the pure shooter and like an incredible passer and incredible court vision. But his athleticism was so low that I don't know if, if you took the, the pure, if you suck the entire pure skill set out of Larry Bird's body and put it in another dude in modern times, I don't know what he would be in, in the modern NBA. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good guess, but if I had to put it at it on players right now, I would say Giannis and Jokic. I kind of like the Jokic one. I hadn't yeah. really considered that. Um, yeah, similarly, I, th- I I guess to what you were saying about the different era, I think Luca is just like a more uh, 
dynamic player than Larry Bird, if that's well, the, 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 not crazy to say. I feel like yeah. he just can do more than Larry Bird could do. I mean, Larry Bird was better at some things than Luka is, yeah. but See, part of they, that's uh, just that Luka's a shooting guard. But. What Luka does have, though, is that, like, because, you know, Bird was dopey and dorky, but he was also, like, a, a grade-A world-class shit-talker. And, like was just dripping all over the court. And I think Luka has that in him to be like, mm-hmm. I don't think Jokic will be like the shit talk king of the NBA. And I think Luka could be that. So attitude wise, I could see that there, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's too early for both of those guys. And if you had to give the name to people in the NBA right now, it would go to the two that I said, but yeah, if you're, if you're looking at a little bit younger guys, and I think Simmons, Simmons's parallel would probably be, be Luca or someone maybe that comes up in the next couple of years. But yeah, he definitely, yeah, he definitely has the swag of Larry Bird that, that Jokic doesn't. But yeah, yeah, I think that's probably, probably a good guess. Uh, Rick Schwartz asked, uh, if you're going to play at least a four person board game with three process or current era Sixers, which game would you pick and who would you play with? Um, I will use this opportunity to to say that I once didn't play with that. I watched Hollis Thompson play video games. He, uh, he's a big board game player too. Yeah, he was like he was doing some kind of like um like two internship. day internship with this yeah. uh, Philadelphia like video game uh, developer thing. So he like hung out with them for a couple of days and like learned stuff there. And I like I went and observed the one day. Um. I wouldn't want to play with Embiid because everyone says he's just so hyper competitive that he would make it not fun. Mm-hmm. TJ McConnell told a story about how like he was like leaving his house and it was like TJ and or TJ's wife and Joel like yelling at each other about a board game and I wouldn't want to do that. I want to be kind of chill. So I don't know, man. You need someone who's kind of goofy, which I think will put Dario and Covington both into the conversation. Um, maybe Tony Roten. Someone who, like, I'm not intimidated by and seems kind of fun. And as for what, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just played Clue for, like, the first time ever, and I hated it. So I wouldn't yeah, play Clue. Clue, Clue kind of sucks. Yeah, Clue sucks. Um, Movie's good. It's not Board te- game sucks. I think it's not technically a board game. Uh, but I would play Scategories with Dario. That's my answer. Okay. Uh, would you, think, would you, would you I mean, there, is there, there's not a board to categories. You could play instead of categories. Is categories, well, what, which one's categories again? So there was one where you roll the die that has all the, the alphabet on it, and it gets yeah. a thing, and you have like a list, and you have to fill out the things. So, like, so you say it lands on like N, it's like famous person's name. You write down like Nick Nolte or, you know, whatever, and you mm, go down mm, the list mm. like that. So it's more of a tabletop game, I guess. Well, that kind of makes it sound like a card game. That sounds game. like a board game. There's no, there's, not an, uh, there's no literal board to it, though. That doesn't sound any different from like I, I would consider taboo a board game. I would consider um, yeah, like like uh, catchphrase, catchphrase. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would say categories with Dario. That's my that's my final answer. Uh, I'm probably gonna play Risk because that's my favorite board game, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I just I think it would be interesting to see uh, the the strategy of the various players. I'm, I'm definitely picking Hollis because I think Hollis would take it seriously. Like if I'm going to play risk, it needs to be with someone who's not going to get bored of it in like yeah, 20 I've minutes. And it's going to like understand risk. the rules. Uh, so it's long. It's like a three and a half hour, four hour game. Um, sometimes even longer than that. It's sort of like settlers. If you've played settlers of Catan, no, um, I don't put that either, man, you got to get on your board game game. Yeah. Uh, definitely picking Hollis. Uh, it's tough because I think the biggest thing is I want someone who's going to take it seriously because it's yeah. nothing's more frustrating than playing a really long board game with someone who's just like doesn't give a shit just yeah. and and just like yeah whatever I'll just like not move on this turn you're like no you got it like this doesn't make sense what you're doing you're messing yeah. up the game it's like when you play fantasy football with someone who just like gives up after week three it's like you're fucking up the whole league by doing that that's like I don't play card I don't play like poker or anything like that but the last time I played poker. We were at a friend's bachelor party, and my one friend is not—he's not like crazy, crazy into it, but he's into it enough to like where he thinks about strategy and like when you have a certain set of cards, what you're supposed to do, like when you're supposed to hit, mm-hmm. when you're supposed to or hit raise or, or whatever. And I just didn't give a shit, and I had, it was like a five-dollar buy-in. We were just having fun, so I just started like kind of randomly raising because I don't care, 
and it's five dollars and whatever and it got him so mad and then he ended up fucking losing all his money and buying back in twice while i was still in the game and i'm like one of us is playing this game wrong and it's not me i'll tell you that much right now <laughs> so yeah so there yeah there's there's certain games you should take seriously and certain games you shouldn't and i think the the idea that you're supposed to take risk very seriously has always kind of pushed me away from it i've never really been super into it but yeah I, but I think I'm I think I'm going back to my answer. I think I'm playing with Hollis, I'm playing with Henry Sims, and I'm playing with Sam Hankey. Oh boy. That you're losing that, I, th- I think you're losing that game, man. I think I'm probably losing that game. Yeah. I definitely uh, have the worst education of, of all three. Yeah. Um I have a I have a question we can put in here. Yeah. Uh from Max Brooks at Maxi Brooks. If the line was set at three point five transactions at the trade deadline and buyout period for the Sixers. Would you hit the under or the over? I am hitting the over, but I think it's probably like it's three or four. But I'm going to go we, confidently with the over. Do we count like them bringing back Corey Brewer after this ten day as a transaction or no? I wouldn't, because okay. that that I would I would think all right. So in in my reading this question, it is a trade or getting someone off of the buyout market. Okay, so I I, I think over is pretty aggressive. Do you see? That's here's, a lot of change because that's at least four new players. Uh, not even thinking about the fact that a trade could bring in like two or three guys on its own. Like a single trade could do that. True, but um, here's what I'm thinking. As I sneeze, <coughs> oh boy. Uh, here's what I'm thinking. So, uh, this is going to sound really stupid in five days when this is very, very wrong. But I will say that the timing of Wilson Chandler's quad strain seems raising my eyebrows a little bit uh mm. i think they're he's probably a little sore and they're like we'll just sit you while we try to work some things out come up with the trade deadline so let's say chandler's gone in a deal uh now let's say which i think is, i think can be likely if there's someone who on this team who is going to get traded away i think it's someone like chandler or muscala or amir people on one one year deals mm-hmm. right so let's say Chandler gets traded away. Let's say in a separate deal, Amir goes, right? Now, you might get guys back for these guys. They're on expirings. Get guys back for these. Maybe they're also on expirings or people you just buy out and you get like maybe like a second with it, but you're just clearing up space to get other people on the buyout market. So I'm thinking like, – I'm not thinking any big deal where like you trade Fultz and Zaire for three other guys or whatever. I'm thinking these small moves where you trade – one of our own expirings for guys you get back and buy out mm-hmm. and replace them on the buyout market or like a cork moss. So I'm saying if you do two of those deals, then that's four because you bring in two other guys to replace those guys. So that's why I'm hitting you over. Okay. That's fair enough. I'm not thinking like um, it's like, the, like I'm going to blockbuster deal. I'm thinking kind of like, like little piecemeal stuff, but enough where like say two trades, two buyouts brought in, that's four. And I think that seems pretty reasonable to me. I would say I would be surprised if after the deadline they don't have two new players who are significantly featured in the rotation, yeah. similar to Ilyasova and, and Bellinelli last right. year. And would you even say? I mean, this is a reading of this question too. So it's three point five transactions, but let's look at it this way: if they just said "fuck it," we're just going to buy out Amir Johnson and bring somebody else yeah. in. Would you consider? I, w- I mean, I would probably consider that one transaction: buying out Amir and bringing yeah. somebody else in. One. That, that's why I kind of think the under because. I would say like two or three new players is, yeah. is what I kind of see happening. So I, unless you're unless you're counting like if you're able to dump Amir Johnson somewhere and then you buy someone, you know, if you trade yeah. him somewhere, you wave him and bring someone else in. Like that's one thing to me. That's like yeah. one swap. I would uh, say. All right, let me ask you. Let me put it this way: If we put over under number of trades at one point five, and over under number of people brought in off of the buyout market at 1.5 where would you go in each of those i'm gonna go under on trades over on new players bought in because yeah. i think it'll be one trade if they if they make a trade okay um, yeah and and i think they'll probably bring in a couple guys off the buyout market one or two guys off the buyout market i think that's reasonable. probably two unless they unless in the trade they're they're you know say they traded with the the hawks and they get deadman and you know uh who else is there jeremy lynn or whatever like i, I think I think unless they're getting a couple guys back from a, in a trade who are valuable, they'll probably sign at least two guys off buyout. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're getting some trades in. You want to want to plow through some of these real quick? Yeah, let's let's go through the trades. All right, let's start with two that are semi-related. 
this one is the Pelicans get Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Wilson Chandler, and Furkan Korkmaz, and the Sixers get Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. Who, whose trade is this? Uh, this is at Connor25. I say no. Okay. Let me pull it. I just want to have it in front of me. Uh, Connor25. Where is this? C O N N E. R-R-2-5. Oh, I see. Oh, I see it. It's not a. It's not a, a screenshot. No, no, of no, a trade machine. No. Okay, I say no. So the Sixers it, get it comes... Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, and they give up Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Wilson Chandler, and Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah, I say no for a couple of reasons. One, you have Ben Simmons' price point very low for a good amount of time still, uh, and just throw Chandler and Korkmaz out of the situation because they don't matter. They're they're gone after this year, so they're they're yeah. zeros here. I would rather have Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler in a vacuum, than Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. Because we've seen what Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis can do with the Pelicans, and it's not necessarily great. So, if you take a couple of pieces out of this and do a different swap, then maybe. But I'm not giving up Butler and Simmons for Holiday and Davis. I'm not. And you know, and we talked about this last time too, I am not as high on Holiday as apparently everybody else in the entire fucking world is. Uh, but this is not a trade that I'm willing to do. Yeah, that's that's tough to not. I make think this, people there, a, there are too many people who are treating Jimmy Butler like an expiring. They've already decided there's yeah. no way they're signing him again. I don't know why that's happening. See, for me, I would do this trade specifically because I mean Anthony Davis is the second or third best player in the league. Yes, uh, arguably, I agree. Um, I really believe in Ben Simmons moving forward. He is going into the last year of his rookie scale deal, so it's not like you're. You're giving up a ton of flexibility in that regard. I, I would only do this if I thought Anthony Davis was coming back or you could extend him in the summer or something. If, if there's any question of him walking, the idea of giving up Ben Simmons for a year and a half of Davis is like, you just can't do that. Yeah. You have you have Simmons for five more years, yes. at least. Um, the Butler for Drew Holiday thing, I, I really like Drew Holiday. I think he fits super well. I think the contract is a big plus for me because he has what two years after this um making a lot of money but like less than you're going to be paying jimmy butler and jimmy butler would be a fresh five-year contract he's also older than drew holiday like i think jimmy butler is better than drew holiday but for the money i think i would rather have the flexibility of like two more years of drew after this year than jimmy butler is just on your books and you don't have flexibility like i just don't want to be in that situation if i if i can avoid it and still have a really yeah. good player on my roster then i'd do that that's fine i i think there are people who just think that true holiday is better than jimmy butler and i don't agree with that at all yeah i don't agree with that um here's another one i gotta pull up this one team's roster real quick just to make sure um Get stall for a quick second by doing absolutely nothing while I'm hitting this button. Okay, yeah, just make sure. Okay, so this was one that I think is like this would never, this would never happen. No one would ever sign off on this except for the Sixers. So it's a three-teamer. Uh, this is from so you can pull it up as well. This is from at Dave H three hundred two. Got it. It says New Orleans gets draft picks as well in this idea. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Wilson Chandler go to the Rockets. The Pelicans get Brandon Knight, Markel Fultz, Furkan, Korkmaz, and Picks. So the Sixers are giving up Fultz, Korkmaz, Butler, Chandler, and getting back Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, Nikola Miritich. Now, that's a trade I would probably do, but I don't think the Pelicans or the Rockets would do that. Maybe the Rockets. The Rockets are giving Eric Gordon and Brandon Knight for Butler and Chandler, but I don't think the Pelicans would do that. Because we've already heard... Now, now, before we get into this real quick, we did hear earlier, I think it was either earlier today or yesterday, that like people are kicking the tires on Drew Holiday and the Pelicans are, for now, like, nah. Give them a couple days, maybe they'll change their mind, but for now, they're like, nah. So let's put that there, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This is a rare trade that uh, on the trade machine, all three teams have a negative win differential afterwards. Yeah, it's Sixers minus uh, five, Pelicans minus ten, Rockets minus one. Um, I, I think the Rockets do it. Uh, pretty pretty easily. Yeah. Um, the Pelicans. That's really rough. I mean, yeah. You're basically just picks. you're basically getting full. I mean, I don't know what picks you'd give them unless you're giving them the Miami pick. In which case, I don't even really want to do that. Right. Uh, 
but why they would why they would trade Miritich and Holiday uh, for basically Fultz and whatever yeah. picks the Sixers give is just because also the idea working out is like all right so say you get picks from Houston and Philly then the idea is like then you're getting. Say you get you have two firsts from each. It's like all right, you have four years of like first rounders that are like from picks twenty three to thirty. Like that's not really, you know, that's not where you want. That's not those aren't the picks you want to get in a trade. Yeah. Uh, let's take the next one. This is from John Barber at Joe J O B A underscore dog. Nothing flashy, but it's uh, Markel Fultz and Mike Muscala for Nikola Mirotic. Love it. I'm into that. Now, Miritich isn't expiring, but I think you and I have, we've had a long winding journey with Markel Fultz, and we've talked about in the past about how we just don't know what you have from him, what you don't, and maybe it's time to cut loose and just, I don't know. But I think that's a good deal because Miritich immediately slots into your starting power forward. Um, And I think he does so successfully. I think he fits the team really well. He's essentially a, a you know, different a slightly different kind of version of Dario he still has that shooting he has the same size roughly not as much of a, a floor runner and passer but um yeah I think that's a really good deal I think I would, something I would do and I think it's I think too like it's tough the idea of giving up Fultz um the idea of giving up Fultz for an expiring player is yeah uh not great but but what I'll say is that I would do this with the idea that you have Miritich's bird rights um, he'd be what, like a seventeen million dollar cap hold or something. You would go into free agency. You'd be able to move some things around and then re-sign him. Uh, I would want to bring him back and just yeah. kind of slot him in as your starting power forward. And I think the fit is really nice. I, you know, he's like a lot of what you were hoping to get from Dario. Uh, yeah. You know, if he'd stuck around, where he's just a, or even like what the what the Celtics have with uh, Marcus Morris, which is yeah. like we talk about all the time is like exactly what they need. So I, I would feel pretty good about um, a future in which you have Simmons, Butler and bead and mirror to just slot it in at that four. And then whether it's JJ or it's Shamit or it's someone else you sign in free agency at the two, like I yeah. feel really good about that. Um, so I don't know. It would be tough to give up faults in that kind of deal. But um, I think if, if I thought I could bring back Miritich, I would probably do that. Cause I think Miritich is a really good player. Let's take uh, one more quick break, and we'll be back with uh, a couple more. All right. Uh, Vitor Mello, uh, at V-T-R-M-E-L-L-O, did another one that's not a, a trade machine screenshot. But this is a trade that I very, very much like. Um, let me see what your thoughts on it. It's a second-round pick. So, you know, this year, next year, whatever. Let's not we'll think too hard about that one. But then Korkmaz and Muscala going to Orlando, and we're bringing in Terrence Ross. I'm totally here for it. That yep. that's an easy yes. That's like the that's the perfect deadline deal, something like that where they're hardly giving up any any real value that you care about. Right. Um Yeah, that that's that's the kind of move I want to make. Yeah, that's the kind um, of deal you do. I, the only thing I'd say Oh, go ahead. Uh that's that's the kind of deal you do if you like if you hear rumblings that they're going to buy him out and you go, "Hey, before we let him hit the buyout market, why don't we give you these guys and see you want me to do it this way?" And that's it's that kind yeah. of deal because, you know, I don't even know if he, I don't even know if Terrence Ross is expiring. I think he is, but it's one of those things where like you're giving up very little. You know, they get Cork Ross for the rest of the year. Maybe he likes it there and he'll resign. Muscala is done. We get a second rounder out of it, and you get to send Terrence Ross this way. The team's not really going anywhere there. You know, just kind of, you know, win win for everybody in a, in a small scale, but it's still a win win. Yeah. Also, the only thing I'd say is if if you're giving up a second, I the only thing is I would like to hold on to the Chicago second they have this year. It's right now slotted in at number thirty four. Yeah. I just think that's really valuable, especially with where the Sixers are at. Like being able to get whether it's a, a stash guy in that spot or um, a like Jordan Bell kind of player. Like I I would love to get someone who is slotted in at a low salary. Um, and even if they are like a, a senior, you know, someone like Jordan Bell, like someone who's a junior or senior. Uh, can step right in and you know probably not be as good as Shamit, but like that kind of thing where you just have a, a role player from you know rookie year on at a low salary that would be really nice so I don't want to give that up um obviously if, for the right player I would consider it uh and and Terrence Ross is expiring he's like 10 and a half million uh the rest of the year and he, he's been pretty good this year yeah. um 
He's putting up 14 points a game, uh, shooting 38% from three. Like, that would be really nice. Yeah. All right, we have three more. We'll plow through these pretty quickly. Uh, Eugene Kim asked a, a variation of a deal we've already seen, um, which is you give up Korkmaz and Butler to the Pelicans, and you get back Drew Holiday and a lottery-protected first. I don't think they do that. I don't think they do it either, but I also don't think I think they do it without... I think... You don't think you do it, even with the first? Lottery protected? The point of getting a well, pick do, from them is it, to be in the lottery. Does it turn into anything? Well, or that would be do, the question. just get nothing if it's... I mean, if it's lottery protected, they're not going to... It's going to be two seconds. going to be lottery, so it's yeah. two seconds. Yeah. I would take that, though. I mean, I, I, I'm totally on board for a, a butler for holiday swap for the reasons I just stated. Like, yeah. I, I just think... I think... Even if you think Drew Holiday is a little bit of a downgrade from Butler, I just think the, yeah. the salary and the fit, it just... It, it for me is a pretty easy yes. Also, yeah. I really like Drew Holiday. Like it would just, yeah. I, I'm I'm into Drew Holiday. Okay, last two. Uh, this one is also from our good friend Doctor Bunsen Honeydew at Big Head underscore Ted. Um, this one I think ignore if the other two teams would do this because I think they may both say no. Well, one would say no, I think. But the Raptors get Anthony Davis. The Pelicans get Wilson Chandler, Markel Fultz, and Pascal Siakam. And the Sixers get Serge Ibaka. I'm Who's into that. This? I just want to. I just want to pull it up. This uh, Doctor Bunsen who's at Big Head underscore Ted. Oh, it's another one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've always liked ooh, Ibaka, man. and I think Ibaka would work well as a, a four next to Embiid, and then also slotting in as a backup five if need be. I would rather in this trade get Pascal Siakam. Yeah, I mean, I think we all would here. Yeah, but I don't think the Pelicans. I'd rather give up some Davis. extra value and get Siakam. If, right, but if, if we're looking at the if we're looking that. at the other sides of it, I don't think the Pelicans give up Anthony Davis for Chandler, Fultz, and Ibaka. That's true. That's like you know, yeah. Siakam is like. Do you think they're like giving? The I don't think they're giving them up. I, I they have to be, the Raptors have to be giving up more, right? Yeah, they would have to. Like yeah, the Pelicans should get there. more than Fultz, Siakam, and and an expiring for. Yeah, but when we're not here, we're best player in the league. We're not here to to proofread and and <laughs> and critique the trades people together. We're just saying we're doing them or not. So this I would do. I don't think the Raptors would do it, or I don't I think the Pelicans would do it. The Raptors would 100 percent do it. I don't think the Pelicans would, but I would do this. Uh man. Um. Yeah, I probably do this. I mean, Ibaka's going into the last year of his deal next year. Uh, man, I guess I'd do it. I, I think it makes the only thing is that it gives the the Raptors uh, Anthony Davis, which is important. That is, like, yeah. It's like if you if you think Ibaka improves your team in the short term, which he does, if you're giving up just Fultz and Chandler for him, um, he certainly makes you better right now. Uh, but the idea of doing that and making the Raptors significantly better yeah. at at the same position that you just improved by getting Ibaka that yeah. doesn't really do that much for me. All right. Well, here's here's the last one we'll go through. This is uh, from Andrew Quinlan at Andrew Quinlan 3. Uh, and it is between the Sixers and the Grizzlies where you give yeah. you give up Wilson Chandler, Markel Fultz, Mike Muscala, Furkan Korkmaz, a second rounder and the Heat pick, and you get Ivan Rob and Mike Conley. How does this money work? It does work. I can see it's very successful, but it seems crazy that you would be able to give up all these guys and get a guy making thirty million dollars in Conley. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Fultz is Fultz is has eight and a half. He's due for like nine and a half or ten next year. Chandler's got twelve. Muscala's got yeah. five. <laughs> yeah. This is the this is a super easy yes for me. Yeah, me too. Because really, I mean, um, again, look at expirings, right? So. Uh, Chandler's gone after this year. Mascala's gone after this year. Corkman's gone after this year. So you're just giving up three roster spots. So basically, the trade is essentially Fultz and the Miami pick for Mike Conley. That's essentially what it comes down to when it comes to the actual value that you're losing on your team right now. And that's something I would do. You'd have to find I, I, a small yeah. forward and a power forward in the buyout market, but you can do that. That would really can replace Chandler and Mascala's production most likely. So that's something I would definitely yeah. do. Yeah. I think Conley's way better than anyone you're going to get with the money in, in free agency. Realistically, anyone you're going to be able to spend that money on in free yeah. agency. So if you think you can bring back Jimmy Butler, um, I think you just move ahead with Simmons, and Embiid, Butler, Conley, and just fill out the rest. Yeah, and like the starting five of 
basically good about that. Conley, Reddick, Butler, Simmons, and Bead is again. You worry about death with stuff like that, but like that's a fucking incredible signing five. Yeah. So, yep, that's all I got. It's all the the trades that came in that I could see at least. Seeing uh, if anyone got one in just at the buzzer it under the look wire. Like it. Yeah. Oh, uh, we did get. <laughs> this is a little. It's a little underwhelming for a uh, for a, for a uh, to end the pod. But Rich Weinstein asked uh, Justin Patton and a second rounder for Thonmaker. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Is Thonmaker doing anything? I feel like I, I. I just feel like I have no idea what Thonmaker's. No, he's not really even playing. He's playing like twelve minutes a game. Yeah. And has not played a lot of their games. Yeah. I yeah. Don't know. Give me Thonmaker. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Why not? I think that's all we got, right? Yeah, and that's it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in like five days uh, right after the deadline. Unless somehow the Sixers do absolutely nothing at the deadline, then we're not going to do a post-deadline pod. But 99% chance we'll be doing something on uh, Thursday evening. Deadline's Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, noon Pacific Standard Time. Although, who knows? In Seattle, might be 1 p.m. there or 11 a.m., wherever they're Who knows? Weird. Yeah, with your weird rules. Um, All right, well, that's all. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days. See ya. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.